Okay, we know that fan art is a visual medium. And podcasts are not. But we've brought along some fan artists who've made a real impact. Nathan and Lee from Pixel Who are here to talk about the fan artist community in Doctor Who. What it's like to reinterpret the show. And what it takes to make a business of it. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel. So after the announcement of the Doctor Who cast and crew coming to San Diego and the stuff about which we will say no more to distract from it, everything's gone kind of dark on the Doctor Who news front. And I have a feeling that it's going to remain that way until the convention. But Alyssa Frankie. Chip Sutterth. I want to commend you and Keir Hansen for your most recent episode of In Defense Of on the Gonna Geek Network. It just came out in the last week. And you two talked about something really, really important right now about going on the offense instead of the defense uh, against the folks who are out there who want to gatekeep in fandom. Thank you both so much. That was a really great episode. And I saw in the last couple of days on Twitter that you all pretty much put out a call to arms. It's time for all of us to start having this conversation. Thank you, Chip. It was a really good, important episode for us to record. And, you know, it's it's one of those frustrating things that we have to spend so much of our time being on the offense about this behavior that it's not just so patently ridiculous that people don't just give up the ghost immediately. But I think that we've just continued to see more and more that gatekeeping is becoming more aggressive and more toxic. And we know that our communities are better and safer and more fun when we aren't gatekeeping out good people and good fans. So uh, I hope that everyone goes listens to the episode, uh, that you enjoy it, that you think about it, and that hopefully you reflect on what you could be doing in your own day-to-day life and your own day-to-day fandom to make it a more open and welcoming place for new fans. I think it's really important to have this conversation now before October, because while the Doctor Who fan community has been by and large, I hate to say surprisingly, but surprisingly enthusiastic about Jodie Whittaker and the changes that are to come to Doctor Who for Series 11. We know there's going to be some level of a backlash and we've seen bad, awful stuff happening in the Star Wars fandom and in other places that. I got no time for it in my fandom. No thank you. Let's make sure that our conventions, our podcasts, our fan conversations, our fan communities are places where gatekeeping is challenged. And uh, new fans and fans from marginalized communities are welcomed. Uh, You had two great guests, Joey Piedmont from Reality Bomb and Don Cleese from Acorn Media. In Defense Of is... A podcast on the Gona Geek Network at G-O-N-N-A-G-E-E-K dot com, where you will find In Defense Of, and I commend that to you. Anytime that you're not listening to This Week in Time Travel, you should be listening to that podcast. And thank you for that lovely little promotion, Chip. You're very welcome. Speaking of podcasts, here's another bit of news that I'm really happy about. One of my favorite podcasts is back, and it's better than ever. 
Yes, The Memory Cheats is returning for season three, aka the Stephen Moffat years. Kyle Anderson from Nerdist is joining Stephen Shapansky this time around, and it's wonderful. And it's just kind of, it's just, it's mm, chef's kiss perfection that the first <laughs> episode that the randomizer spits out is victory of the MFing Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just spoiled. But, you know, I don't care because it's hilarious that the first one out of the gate is one of the most reviled, one of the most justly maligned. Did I say that? Skittles Daleks, Lisa Frank Daleks. I mean, uh, and that was the first one that they that they had to do. Here's the remit for the memory cheats. They have all of Stephen Moffat's episodes in a blender, if you call an Excel spreadsheet a blender, and in, they just randomly uh, are served up an episode and they have to review it and re reflect on it. And where does the phrase the memory cheats come from? Comes from an episode of Doctor Who. No, it doesn't. Wait, damn it. Now I'm now my memory is lying to me. Where does it come from? It comes from Mr. John Nathan Turner, who was uh, being interviewed about fans perceptions of the old series. And he was in a way kind of defending his take on Doctor Who as being perhaps better than the classic stuff. And he ta talked about how for fans who looked on the old show with delight that sometimes the memory cheats. It's a great podcast. I am really happy to have it back. And Kyle is just a perfect, perfect co-host for this one. Uh, got a lot of... He even name-checked me. Aww. I feel so proud. He, he's, you know, just glowing right now. Y'all can't see this because this is not a visual medium, but I have a video link and he's glowing. <laughs> Speaking of visual media, today is our episode about fan art and the last of our fandom perspective series, Alyssa. Yes, it is. And this is one that I'm very excited about and also slightly frustrated because podcasting, again, is not a visual medium. And there's just so much great fan art out there that I would like to share a little bit of when this goes out on Twitter. So, you know, in the thread of things that go up on Twitter, take a look for me throwing some links out to my favorite fan artists. But fan art has been for me like one of the most interesting and fun elements of being a fan. Because in addition to just straight up homage of just doing incredible pictures and paintings and portraits and sketches of characters and places and episodes, that there's a lot of reinvention that goes on of putting shows in different, fun, unique contexts. And it's there's just so many wonderful people who do fan art, and I love them all so much, and I just really love their work, and I want to support them. So there will be more in Twitter for me to talk about, but just off the top of my head, there's a artist on Tumblr, Halorvik, who does wonderful little comics and little things about Doctor Who characters that are just excellent and funny and delightful. My friend Joe Bartels, who does fan art as well, you've probably seen me share a lot of her artwork on Twitter. I've commissioned her twice to do some really fun and interesting pieces. Uh, my, Doesn't she have the uh, Joby art? Uh, yes, she is Joby art. art. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, my most favorite of her recent pieces is 
doing the 13th Doctor's new costume in a very Vogue magazine shoot spread style, and it's excellent. Random Thunk is how you've probably seen their username on several channels, uh, but that's also Ginger or Cat, and she does incredible pins, enamel pins for Doctor Who. I got some of the 12th Doctor recently. If you were seeing me at uh, Regeneration Who in Baltimore this year, I was throwing them at people like Candy because they're great, and I think everyone should have them. Um, I didn't get one. I I had one for you. Oh, dear. I have it. It's going to be in the mail. It's going to get to you. Don't look at me like that, Chip. They can't see how you're looking at me. It doesn't count if you're giving me disappointed looks and nobody nobody else is there to see it. I see it. Please continue. You've just thrown me off my groove. I was in a happy sharing fan art space. Anyways, there's going to be even more of this on Twitter. But I love how people put the show in unique, fun, interesting contexts. And it's just beautiful, delightful work to look at. And I'm very excited about our guest today because I've seen Pixel Who at a number of conventions. The artwork is fantastic. It's delightful. The mission that is set is daunting and overwhelming. When we get there, we'll be able to tell you a little bit more about the work that they do. That's right. So let's uh, take a moment to see what's going on on the network. And then when we come back, Nathan and Lee from Pixel Who. This week on The Incomparable Network. The Hugo Awards are rapidly approaching and The Incomparable Book Club has read all of the nominees. Check out their favorites on this week's The Incomparable. Speaking of books, The Perks of Being a Wallflower is next on Sophomore Lit. The new podcast, Recently Read, takes on Yoon Ha Lee's Revenant Gun. And my wife Shannon nerds out with host Kathy Campbell on a podcast about podcasts, Friends in Your Ears. All this and more at TheIncomparable.com. We have brought with us the masterminds behind Pixel Who, which, if I recall correctly, began as a fan phenomenon and has turned into something a little bigger, not just fanish, but in lots of professional areas as well. With us are Nathan Skreslet and Lee Gao. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Tell us a little bit about Pixel Who and what you do and what your art looks like. Uh, Pixel Who started off initially as a love letter to the show. It's a project that Nathan had been wanting to do for as long as he can recall. He's been a fan of the show since the age of eight. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he had always wanted to essentially show every single character that's ever sh- essentially been on screen in the order in which they appear. So initially when he was telling me about this project, he realized that it would just simply take an extraordinary amount of time. Not that it doesn't already, but to render each one individually, just draw each one. So instead, he kind of combined his love of 80s video games um, with this project idea, and we came up with Pixahoo. So how do you do the artwork? Uh, Well, uh, it's actually built in the old school 80s style of uh, 8-bit video games. So every pixel is placed individually by hand. Uh, We don't use any automatic computer conversion programs or anything like that. Uh, It's all by eye. These are artisanal um, pixels. They are indeed. Yes. Yes. Free range. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he does it in like a what we call hybrid style. So it's both full pixels as well as half pixels to create this unique sort of look 
that is Pixel Who. Um, but it's literally him going, all right, I'm going to do the 10th Doctor now and just do everything. Like if we, a cat showed up on screen, it's in the poster. So it's a very complete visual episode character dictionary, essentially, for whatever Doctor that we're covering. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and I think the way we essentially started it off, we were doing conventions a lot. And eventually BBC actually noticed us and picked us up for one of their official branches. And so... It's kind of cool because our fan art has actually become canon to Doctor Who. Yeah, it was featured in uh, Doctor Who Legacy, the uh, uh, mobile game. And they actually wrote a full uh, separate story DLC campaign uh, just featuring our artwork. It was written by George Mann. That is really incredible. So we've seen a, a a lot of that where the BBC has, you know, worked a lot with fan artists and fan creators. Um, what was your working relationship with them like? Because they seem more than almost any other franchise to embrace fan created art. Yeah, I think I That's think true. Doctor Who definitely is. I think part of it, too, is all the people who are on the show now. I mean, even the actors who are in the show, a lot of them were fan you know, fanfic writers when they were younger, fan artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and then they eventually actually became part of the show. So they realized the talent and also just the love that people have when I do this sort of things um, and how it's great for the show. Essentially, because they used to be fan art or fan writers themselves, they know what it's like. Yeah, I think I've uh, seen Peter Capaldi send fan art to people. Uh, he There's this very famous painting that he sent to Rachel Stott, who is uh, mm-hmm. one of the illustrators on the comic books. Uh, so you definitely have a, a group that's more appreciative of it than perhaps we see in other franchises. Very true, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your fan art origins was this you know the first idea and concept that you had or had you been really interested in the work of other artists or had you been scribbling and doing other artwork on your own before you settled on pixel who uh well you know as as lee mentioned i started watching the show when i was eight years old and from the get-go immediately after that the only thing i wanted to draw was doctor who stuff and it it drove my art teachers insane (laughs) But, uh, yeah, during, during, I guess, you know, teenage years, uh, is when I kind of started hatching this idea and I started drawing lots of the characters on little slips of paper, probably about, you know, two to four inches tall. Uh, and I, I accumulated dozens and dozens of these little, little guys, uh, with a thought to eventually, you know, build them into some sort of, uh, database or, or something. I was learning to program HTML at the time and, uh, uh, but it quickly became obvious that that was going to be immensely complex and uh, probably more than than I would be able to do with my level of skill at the time. Uh, so I kind of shelved the idea in the back of my brain uh, for many, many, many years, decades, I guess. In the interim, I uh, started teaching myself Photoshop. And of course, the first thing I started making were mock uh, book covers and DVD covers because it was fun to do and, uh, you know. Uh, it helped me learn the software and that actually got me noticed by uh, people who were making fan fiction anthologies at the time. This was in the early to mid nineties. So I was actually asked by them to do cover art for several fan fiction anthologies. Uh, And that kind of got me started in my uh, path as a commercial artist. Yeah. I think those were his first first commissions. uh, Yeah. Yeah. First commissions. They were his first like official credits as well with the BBC. 
too. So he kind of he started off pretty early. He was still in high school, actually, at the yeah, time. They didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't tell him that, of course, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's something that really fascinates me about the world of fan art right now is that you can go on Tumblr, on Instagram, you can see so much outstanding work out there that I could easily see the people creating it working for Titan Comics, you know, producing Mm -hmm. commercial art for the BBC, things like that. So, So there's just this incredible quality out there but it does also seem like the lines between fan art and an avocation and to something that you can get commissioned for and supported for are really permeable these days Uh, and and you Mm -hmm. all you all certainly strike me as one of the biggest success stories in that area oh thank you i agree with you it's it's more so now i think the advent of social media has definitely helped kind of spread this world um, in very positive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the I, internet makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge, it, it was a big game changer because you were still doing messaging boards back in. Yeah, this, this was uh, when I first started doing the the anthology covers. This was back in the days of uh, Usenet. Yeah, so he, he it, it was essentially something that he'd always wanted to do, but he really didn't approach me about this idea until about, I want to say 2010, where he was like, hey, I kind of have this crazy idea. You know, he's, I'm in bit of a nostalgic kick and Minecraft had been out for probably about, I don't know, five years or so at that point. So there was just a lot of really fun pixel stuff out there. Um, and he's like, so I've always wanted to do this project. It sounds completely crazy, but I'm thinking I want to do it in pixel form because I'm really loving this type of artwork. Um, you know, I still really want to do this. What do you think? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it. You know, I'll help you wherever you need and just let me know how I can support you. I think the the reason why the pixel style kind of attracted me is it was a way to simplify and kind of distill down each character to just their basics. Uh, and if, if I could nail them within, you know, 30 pixels worth of, of space, uh, then doing, you know, a thousand of them wouldn't be as challenging as, as drawing each one in, in super detail. Or so you thought. Uh, well, yeah. It turns out that pixel art is extremely labor intensive and meticulous and slow. So I've got to ask. Pixel art for the tenth doctor. Does pixel art lend itself to flirty tenth doctor or angsty tenth doctor, or can you do both? You know, I think it's. I think one of the most interesting things we've noticed is, um, so like Nathan said, he has to distill the character into the very base. Like it doesn't. It's very little information, but has to convey who the character is through such little information. So he has to get a dead on. If he moves a pixel halfway to the left, it might be a totally different character. But what we do is he purposely doesn't give them any expression on their faces. If you look at any of the characters we do, there's nothing to, you know, show any sort of demonstrative emotion, but yet people connect to them. And I think part of that is it's the fan, like it's your love of the show coming out. So as people go through their posts, they're like, oh my gosh, I remember that was so scary. These characters really freaked me out. Oh my God, I love that story. And you can kind of see them almost exuding and almost essentially, uh, putting their feelings and how that character connected to them onto our poster, which really we don't, we, we purposely try not to put any sort of emotional. Well, the characters themselves uh, do have sort of, you know, uh, a little bl- bit of a bland serenity to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just by virtue of the fact that they have so little visual information, but yeah, it kind of works. People project onto them what, what they feel. 
I've seen you both at conventions, um, and I want to know a little bit more about the kind of fan that your art appeals to. What's the kind of community that is coming out and supporting you and appreciating or purchasing your artwork? Hmm. Well, you know, it, we, we go to dozens and dozens of conventions every year, uh, and we meet hundreds and hundreds of people. I think it'd be difficult to characterize I a particular thousands. shopper. Yeah. I think that uh, we meet thousands of people at this point. Yeah. Um, I think people, people respond to our stuff. Um, you know, some of them like the style, some of them love the fact that it's so like encyclopedic. Some just, you know, they love the fact that it's just, yeah, celebrating the show and, and all of the people who worked on it. Yeah, I think the thing I noticed is that we definitely get a good portion being young, younger children or preteens or even teenagers who kind of connect to it because maybe they currently are doing Minecraft or had grown up doing Minecraft. And then we get a lot of the people who are, um, you know, from that, you know, basically Oregon Trail generation mm-hmm. where you grew up in the 80s. Yeah, and it's they have very, a nostalgia yeah. uh, attachment to it. And then we have a whole fan base where they love it because it's just absolutely complete. It's everything, um, which is there's nothing out there right now that does that. Um, I, th- I think because it just takes it takes you months to do one poster. Really so that's probably why no one's <laughs> trying to attempt it except you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it connects and it's it's definitely like genderless. Like we have an even amount of both male and female fans and also people who are non-gender conformity. Um, but it I, I don't see it having any sort of limits. And part of it too is even if people don't necessarily have the space for our larger posters they love the smaller pieces too like we have things that are like the console room um where nathan kind of gets to show off a little bit more of his pixel art skill and these images look 3d like he's just very good at being able to light pieces and yeah i've been doing a a whole series of just tardis interiors for each of the doctors um and uh yeah they, they are very detailed and very uh as complete as we can make them yeah we're aiming to do all of the tardis interiors yeah, so I think I think that's I think that's essentially people like it because it's a it's a unique take on a beloved fandom, and I think I, I really haven't seen anyone do his style of pixel art if they do it at all. And for the newbies who have maybe never really interacted with fan artists before, what would you recommend to be the best ways to get out and support fan artists that people see and love and appreciate all the artwork that they do? One of the biggest things and the reason why we got discovered by BBC was it was a it was a fan of ours who actually sent out our stuff to them. We never contacted them initially. And so they had kind of spread the word for us. So a big thing is spreading the word about a fan art Mm-hmm. fan artist that you love and appreciate um you buy know, their stuff definitely buy their stuff, stuff. <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely buy their stuff um i think people don't realize that when you when people are working at a convention they they not only pay for like a membership to go to a convention they pay for the space as well as well as you know hotel just like everyone else and food and that sort of thing so it helps support the the artists by actually purchasing their artwork and then also spreading the word just to their friends it's amazing how much like a recommendation from a family member or friend can really help, you know, grow essentially a business or help grow a fan artist um, reputation. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, if I were a starting aspiring fan artist and I've done some sketches and I like what I've done, but I want more people to notice what I do, what sorts of tips do you have for the newbie fan artist? 
So we've actually done a lot of uh, talks about this. I think the the hardest thing initially is it definitely it's getting started. Um, definitely do a lot of research before kind of delving into this. Go to conventions. Um, you'd be amazed just going up to any any table that is an artist alley and asking them like, hey, how did you get started? Or uh, which show would you recommend for a new artist? Like we all have helped each other and we pass on that information to the next person. Um, definitely social media is a big must. I, it's one of those things that I had to kind of get over and get used to because I, I, I really wasn't a social media person until um, I started helping Nathan manage this business. So definitely getting like, obviously, like an Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, Tumblr, DVR, that sort of thing. Um, and then also getting someone who's going to give you very um, good critique and feedback on your artwork. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, you know, surround yourself with people who will be honest with you, because uh, that really does help um, make sure your quality is high and that you're making good decisions. Um it always helps to have someone give you a gut check. Yeah. And I, and I, I think that was a thing because, you know, Nathan's like a professional artist. He's been doing this for, you know, decades upon decades. Um, and even now, like sometimes he'll show me a new piece and I'm like, mm, that doesn't look right. I think that needs to move slightly to the left. And he's like, but it's in the middle. I'm like, no, nope, but it doesn't look visually in the middle. So it's, it's giving that sort of feedback because I'm a consumer, right? I can give him a consumer's feedback um, as opposed to, I have no artist background, so I can't tell him in any sort of artistic terms, you know, what I see visually wrong, but I can kind of sort of describe it from a consumer standpoint. And I think that's really important for an artist. And then also you kind of have to get over the idea that you're going to have to mention to people why you're awesome. This is the hardest yeah, thing for artists. This is a difficult thing. Uh, usually if you meet somebody and you tell them, Hey, I'm an artist here's, here's what I'm working on. You have about 10 to 15 seconds to uh, really give them a, what we call an elevator pitch uh, you know, tell them who you are, what you do and why it's awesome. And that's a, not an easy thing to do. So yeah, you need to work on, on your pitch and make sure that, you know, you can quickly and easily describe yourself. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists are used to always comparing themselves to other artists. And so they're used to sort of being more modest or saying, Oh, it's not as good as this person. It's not as good as and yeah. it's basically getting over that hump. We're almost uniformly terrible self-promoters. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're not creating your own fan art and promoting it, what kind of fan art do you like to view and appreciate and purchase when you're at conventions? All the things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have so much fan art. You know, I... Not she, only she do comes I comes back with armfuls of stuff you, from every yeah, show. Yeah, it's amazing. Do. I have essentially like a lot of when you go to a lot of conventions, you see people with these large portfolio books where they, you know, have pieces people can flip through. I essentially have that for the art that I buy at conventions. I have so much, I have no space left to actually hang it, but I I still keep buying it. So I just have it in books that I can kind of basically table read and look through them. Um, yeah, we have a lot of fandoms. I mean, we we love you know. Also, besides Doctor Who, we love Star Trek. We love, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Tolkien stuff. You know, all kinds of things. So Firefly. I mean, everything. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's part of the reason why fan art goes. Anyone goes into this sort of thing is because they love whatever fandom they're drawing. Um, but yeah, we have. I have so. I love like I have so much Wonder Woman stuff. It's. I just have everything. I love Marvel. I love DC. Um, but yeah, so I think that what attracts me about fan art is if it's got a unique take on it 
I think art is so subjective. So I, if I like the style, I like the way they have presented the artwork. You know, sometimes if it's a good mashup, I'll really enjoy that as well. I like things that make me laugh, honestly. I love <laughs> really funny artwork. I think I got one that was like a Lego Benny and it was just like spaceship, 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 like all behind it. And he was very excited. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think I think the thing that attracts anyone to any sort of fan art is whatever joy it makes you feel when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your work. Where can our listeners go to see your work and go and purchase some of it? We have our website, Pixelhu. It's one word, P-I-X-E-L. WHO.com. Um, I think you have to do www before it, www before it, but pixahoo.com. Um, that's where you can purchase any of the artwork. Um, at conventions, we do a lot of con exclusive pieces that aren't even on our website. So that's also a good way. And we usually post on our Facebook page, our convention schedule on Facebook, where facebook.com slash on Instagram. Also, our handle is Pixahu. The only one that's different is our Twitter, just because someone sat on our handle and wouldn't give it to us. Um, but it's on Twitter, we're Pixahu Art. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just want to like Google us, you can find us, but you have to make it one. We, we made our company name specifically one word. So it's all just, if you look up Pixahu as one word, you'll see lots and lots of stuff about us. Yeah. And actually, uh, our Facebook is probably the most up to date. And we do actually have a little bit of news. Very shortly, we'll be putting up the announcement for our next large poster which is for matt smith's seasons yes we just finished all of the characters for it yesterday fun oh so definitely by the time this episode has dropped it should be up on your facebook page so if you're listening to the episode now you should close out and you should go check out no no don't close out listen to the rest of the episode first (laughs) (laughs) i'm really bad at promoting my own podcast apologies listen to them listen to what they told you so you guys are actually kind of getting the exclusive on this because we've made no official announcement about this yet. And hopefully we'll have the pre-orders ready. But we're looking at printing options right now, but we are super excited. I, there's a lot of our fans who've been waiting for this for years. And usually we come out with like one big poster a year. But when we started working with BBC, it put us behind our own personal schedule, which I feel like is appropriate. Like, you know, BBC wants some artwork. We should probably get to that first. Um <laughs> But now we've, we're able to start focusing on basically completing Nathan's project, which is he wants to do this for every single doctor. Mm-hmm. So we're we're super excited. And because it takes them between six to eight months to do one of these posters, it's a it, it takes us a little while. This is like a it's a long term project. It is. Wow. Awesome. That is a lot of pixels. Nathan and Leah, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on this week in time travel this week to talk about fan art and specifically about Pixel Who. Thank Thank you you. for having us. This has been great. This is great fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on This Week in Time Travel. You can find us online at thisweekintimetravel.com. We're on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. Chip is on Twitter at NumeralTwoMinuteTimeLord. I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at Feminism. We also exist on Facebook, too. Christopher Breen exists to give us our original theme music. David J. Lore exists to give us our original podcast logo. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or on the new Google Podcasting Service. Billboards are acceptable. Skywriting is also acceptable. Please consider becoming a member of the Incomparable Network and tell all your friends about us. We will talk to you next time on This Week in Time Travel. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us on This Week in Time Travel. You can find us on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at numeral two minute time lord and Alyssa. Wait a minute. I'm not on Tumblr. You're on Tumblr. You're on Tumblr at Whovian Feminism. Hey. And hey. on Twitter. Should we strike that over? Yeah, I think I, I should think start so. that over. Nerd. Outtakes. Just because I got a little out of control with the backspacing. Yep. You just deleted me, Chip. Deleted me. Exterminated me. I am a worm. This is why you didn't get a pin. Would you like to take care of this? <laughs> yes.